0: Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Correnti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all the support, as always. No time for a real long intro tonight, so real quick, if you're not already or if you're new to listening to this podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive, you can like the show on or follow the show on Instagram at the Dynasty Drive. Like the show on Facebook if that's your cup of tea as well. Have an awesome show tonight. Was joined by Jordan, uh, Jordan McNamara. You can follow him on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty from analyticsofdynasty.com. Had a fantastic conversation regarding all of the the breaking news and free agency over this past week, especially the late breaking news uh, we recorded Thursday night. This is out first thing Friday morning that Devonte Adams was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. In exchange for a 2022 first and second round picks uh, gets a new massive contract 141 million dollars over five years So we got into that the rest of the movement at the wide receiver position the quarterback position the looming details of a potential Deshaun Watson trade and how that affects Matt Ryan Baker Mayfield everybody involved and then um Just some brief talk about movement at both running back and tight end position as well. So we're going to get right into it. Conversation runs about 45 minutes or so. A lot of excellent, excellent stuff in there. Jordan's a super smart guy. I think you guys will really like it. We'll talk to you on the other side. All right, joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Jordan McNamara. He's at McNamara Dynasty on Twitter. You can catch his work at analyticsofdynasty.com. Jordan, I appreciate you taking some time to chop up all the free agency news and uh, break it all down with us.
1: Yeah, we better get going quick because things might really change at the pace that we're going with this thing. It just never, it just never stops. So, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to talk about this. I'm all pumped Absol- up.
0: Absolutely, I'm glad that we uh, we're recording this about eight thirty Eastern Standard Time on Thursday night. It'll be out around midnight, so by then it'll critical be critical to put the time marker on. <laughs> yes, by then there's a chance that by midnight it's outdated, but right. we'll, we'll do our best to <laughs> to keep it relevant. Uh, we have plenty to get into, but before we do, please plug all the good work that you have, where people can find it, where they can check it out, what you're all about, and what they can expect on your Twitter feed, your website, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and obviously we're making the joke about things changing. Cause as we were like getting ready to log on Devonte Adams got traded. So, um, so it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind obviously. Um Yes. Yeah, so you can check out all my work at analytics of dynasty.com. Um, I got the analytics dynasty 2022 edition. It'll talk about your, a lot of your, um, your strategies and stuff like that. It's very different uh, in terms of some of the stuff I've written before. Uh, it's a lot on like team building in ways that I've never really done it before. Um, one of my things that I did this year that was pretty funny was uh, and fun in really, challenging to write and I think useful to write as well was the, um, confessions of a recovering productive struggler, uh, which is really about like kind of some of the decisions that I've made along the way that were, um, not helping my team and how I've sort of transitioned into, you know, making my teams more competitive and, and making it, you know, I think more winning decisions instead of struggling decisions. So there's a lot of that in there. And I go through, Uh, startup builds, existing team builds, and, um, you know, and, and rebuilds as well, you know, and sort of how I treat all those different things a little bit differently. So you'll check all that out. And again, we have you covered for a dynasty daily podcast. we got a dynasty trade database as well. Real draft position tracker where we're tracking real startup drafts for um, you know, what we call RDP, real draft position. Uh, and, um, so you can get all that, all subscribers, get that as well as my dynasty tiers over at analytics, dynasty.com. So go ahead and check that out. And we got a group me chat as well. So you can come check us out and chat with us and follow along this never ending news cycle.
0: Yeah, for sure. it's excellent stuff. So we'll make sure to plug all the links out there, get everybody to check it out if possible. Um, Lots of free agency stuff. You said it right before we <laughs> logged on. The, I, w- I was refreshing all day waiting for the quarterback news and instead refreshed Twitter and the blockbuster heard around the world. Devontae Adams dealt to the Las Vegas Raiders, gets a monster deal, $141 million over five years. He's the highest paid receiver in the league. Uh, Las Vegas ships, it looks like a 2022, their first rounder, their second rounder, and they get back Devontae Adams and give him the big deal. How do you like who does this impact most for you? Because it's Derek Carr for me, but I I don't know what you think. Does it ding Devontae's value at all for you going from Rodgers to Carr? Uh, And does it impact anybody else real significantly? Like, does it move Rodgers down for you at all? Mm -hmm. I think it takes some of the
1: ceiling off of Rodgers, is my initial reaction. I haven't had a chance to really dive into numbers on this, but my initial reaction is it takes some ceiling off of Rodgers. I was reading something right when we were logging on that. You know that that they were in, that they've been in the veteran wide receiver market. I don't know what that looks like exactly because they they haven't really done anything in free agency. So I, I don't really know what that what that looks like. I mean, is that Jarvis Landry? Is it Juju Smith Schuster? I mean, that's that would be any meaningful blip now that Allen Robinson is off the market. That, you mm-hmm. know, it's the, it's really those guys, and then I think a big tear break after that. So if it's not one of those guys, I don't know what they're doing in the veteran free agent market. Uh, I'm sure they'll address it in the draft, Um, but I think it has to take some ceiling off of Rodgers. You know, it probably helps out the receiving game roles of their running backs would sort of be my other assumption. Um, And then I think, you know, I think it's going to lift the floor, lift the ceiling on Carr, and it's probably going to hold down the ceiling a little bit on on Adams. Um, I think from a – I just view – receivers really from a from a target perspective not so much as a like hey here's how efficient he was I think we can sort of it's really tough to sort of get that right and so much of that is is fluky it's you know it's touchdown luck it's that sort of stuff I just want to sort of know what the numbers are um, in terms of you know your targets and, and basically that right how much how big your target share is going to be. Um, It's tough to really say because I think there's so many moving parts in this because you're changing quarterbacks and you're changing offensive schemes, right? You're changing, right? This isn't, you're not sort of, all right, how does, how does Devontae Adams fit into a John Gurdon, Derek Carr led offense? You're, it's now a totally new offense. We don't even really know. How that's gonna? We, there's a lot of moving pieces there in terms of how it looks. I mean, we can try and project some of the stuff from New England, but it's a totally different situation. And you know, without mm-hmm. without uh, an entire rolodex of Josh McDaniels supporting casts, this has got to be one of the best ones in terms of Devonte Adams and Darren Waller, yeah. um, Renfro as well. I mean, I I can't. You know, I'm just I'm just thinking quickly. I don't know if he was there for the the early Brady stuff, but um, you know, that's the as I'm sort of thinking through it, at least recently, like this is going to be the best group of wide receivers that he's had, best group of supporting cast that he's had. So I like, guess it's going to be really interesting how that all fits. And I think it's good for car in the sense of this probably signals a, an extension for car. Whereas yeah. I think, you know, if we sat here, maybe, I don't know what, six weeks ago, maybe we were like, ah, is, is car part of this carousel of quarterbacks? And it seems like this deal probably signals he's not because if they were going to make some sort of quarterback upgrade, which I don't even think there is at this point for him, they probably would have used the picks um, in a deal to do that. So my assumption is, is that they're going to probably look to extend Carr in some way, shape or form, whether that's short or long term. And this will probably help his value all, you know, and his production profile pretty significantly, I would think.
0: It is kind of crazy that it feels like for three years we've been talking about, oh, Derek Carr could be the quarterback on the move, and then right. every other quarterback's going to get moved. Totally, Derek, yeah. Derek Carr is going to, uh, excuse me, Derek Carr is going to stay put with a shiny new toy that he's familiar with from his college days in Devontae Adams. But I, I do love it from somebody that has kind of consistently. Derek Carr is always my target, like a second Mm -hmm. quarterback in super flex drafts. Mm -hmm. Like I love kind of, you know, get the one guy I feel real good about and then Mm -hmm. fade it for a little bit and come back with a guy like Carr Cousins. So I have a ton of exposure to Derek Carr. So uh, the move made me quite happy for fantasy, but I think it's an excellent point what you bring up about. We haven't even seen Derek Carr in this offense, right? Never mind right. Uh, never mind Devontae Adams in this offense. So it will be interesting, and it will certainly be tough to project because we'll all kind of be making assumptions based on what we know from the New England offense, and obviously that's kind of tough to take out when you're factoring for most of it was with, the greatest of all time at quarterback. Uh, but it's going right. to be interesting and definitely kind of turn the news cycle on its head today.
1: Yeah. So can I can I ask you, like, how do you treat this situation? Because I, I come at it from a um, – I, I think this is really – this is a t- – right? This is – there's a ton of uncertainty here. And, like, this is a, a situation where you can say, all right, you're – if you've got – a, um, a lot of uncertainty, like there's a lot of value to be had there, but there's also a lot of danger, right? You know, if you, if you get, if you get an uncertain situation, right. Especially if it's what the, against what everyone else is thinking that there's a lot of value to be had there. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of view this and I just wonder what you think on this. I, I sort of view this as I think Josh McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator. And I think we have signal to this, right? He's adapted to his personnel. He's adapted to his opponents. Right. So like we've seen him throw the ball, what, three times against the Bills right? like, Right. Yeah. and was totally willing to do that. Right. We've seen him do all the different stuff in terms of the team build. A lot of the stuff that Belichick has done on offense, excuse me, Belichick has done on defense. They've mirrored on offense in terms of adapting to their personnel. I sort of wonder how you think that this offense, like, is that a good proxy to sort of think about this? Or is there like how, how uncertain is the situation in terms of what we can project? Because it would seem like, hey, this, is, this should be a pass happy offense but I don't want to sort of get over my skis on that either. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I think the hard part for me is that I have the same kind of initial reaction. I feel like it should be a pass happy offense, but I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to. It's weird because I I say that, but I don't have the same feeling or like conviction as when I say it about the bills per se. Right. Like I know the bills want to come out and throw the ball all around the yard. I think they're going to want to throw the ball in Las Vegas, but I don't think, Yeah, I think Jacobs is going to get a lot of work. So the thing that's tough or will be tough for me with Devontae Adams is not to slight him as a receiver because he's a great talent and a great player, but part of what was so easy recently about projecting Devontae Adams was a monster target share. Like you could count on him, like write it in ink. He's going to get the work. He's going to get the targets. And it's like I don't think that Darren Waller is just going away. I don't think that, you know – people laugh, but Hunter Renfro is going to be involved. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I don't think Devonte Adams will be the number one or the, you know, the alpha quote unquote there. But I think it could be tough to project the same kind of opportunity that we've projected the past couple of years for Adams in green Bay with, you know, future hall of fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. So that'll be the hard part for me. Like, I'm not going to say anything crazy. Like I don't view him as a wide receiver one because the talent outweighs that for me, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be with, any level of certainty that it was the past couple of years. Like, I know we're talking dynasty. It's like, he's going to be a wide receiver one for me, but I, I won't have him as a top three dynasty wide receiver. Sure. Which felt harder to say, you know, six months ago or a year ago. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of with you and I was just, I was just perusing it because we haven't had time to really, truly digest this. Um, and I was just looking at this and he's like expected points per game was like third last year. He actually outperformed that being second. Um, his target share was 25.6%. So he's just over 10 targets per game at 166 um, by the, P- I just used the PFF number. Um, so you're looking at, and he played 16 games. So you're looking at 10 a game, you know, maybe that gets lopped off a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't. You know it's still he was just targeted on such an extremely high percentage yeah. of, their, of their of their routes that really he ran um you know when you sort of take a a step back from it you know maybe that comes back 10 maybe 20 even if it comes back you know even if his number comes back what 10 or 20 percent um he was at uh, let's see where he was at. Even if he, even if his points per game comes back ten percent, right? That's still, you know, eighteen, right? If yeah. he comes back twenty, it's still, you know, uh, like seventeen, that's a little great. bit over seventeen. So I mean, I, I, there's like that's the best part about going after a guy like him because there's a lot of, like, if you miss you know, it, it, you're missing towards like what I would consider like the wide side of the fairway, right? Like, yeah, it's really tough to go, you know, you miss towards the wide side of the green when you're playing golf, right? To use sort of an analogy, you don't fire at really tight pins and, and with, you know, on low target guys with all the danger around them, right? You fire at big targets and, and that's... I think with him, even if he comes down a little bit, he still has a lot of wiggle room to be a, a pretty high high end wide receiver. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I, I'm excited to watch this offense because I think again, I think uh, McDaniels is pretty interesting. So
0: yeah, I am too. It's definitely going to be fun. And all that I, we'll close the on division. this. Yeah, the whole, whole division, division is bananas. It really. It's is. an
1: it's, it's an arms race. Yeah. Like we were talking beforehand, I was like, "This is the the best thing that can happen." at AFC East, is like our champion is probably going to play home games in the playoffs because <laughs> against these guys, because they're not going to be like nine and eight, ten and seven, you know. And it's even wild. the team that you thought was good, maybe the worst one in the division in terms of the Raiders, like got maybe two of the biggest non quarterback additions in the, uh, in the off season with Adams and, and Chandler Jones. So just crazy. I mean, it's what an exciting time. It's really exciting.
0: It really is. And it's like, I think it's interesting. And I'll say this about the Packers. I do wonder if this is finally the year where like every mock draft predicting a wide receiver in the first round I mean, of the Packers is finally right. Like we've right. been writing that in forever and uh, it seems like it should probably finally happen. The other thing is it feels refreshing both from like an offensive and a defensive perspective that the NFL feels so much more willing to make these kind of deals now, where it was like, it feels like now more than ever, like this has been a crazy run for the last week or so it's every day. A player's getting dealt. Right. And it feels like GMs used to be so much more reluctant to trade that draft capital, even if it was like a proven player, like a Devonte Adams at stake. Uh, so that's kind of cool to see that. At any position, I think it's been pretty pretty refreshing this week.
1: Totally. Endlessly entertaining.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, other wide receiver news that now gets overshadowed by the Devontae Adams deal. Allen Robinson signs with the Rams. Uh, he gets three years, forty six and a half million dollars with just over thirty million guaranteed. What does this do for Allen Robinson moving forward? It's definitely the best quarterback he'll have in his career. So that'll be fun for the short term, but you know, I guess the main question is was last year a blip on the radar or was last year the beginning of the decline right like does Allen Robinson still have it or is he washed so I don't know what side of that you kind of land on right now
1: um you know it's funny because we could we should we could play a game of like what NFL current starter would be not the worst, not the best quarterback that Allen <laughs> Robinson has played with, and then the numbers are really like very, very small. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Daniel Jones, yeah, he's probably got it. You know, like, it's just, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Case Keenum's going to start for the Browns. Like, yeah, he's probably got it. You know, it's it's <laughs> wild experience. Um, yeah. So that yeah, totally a quarterback upgrade. We'll see how he he handles a good one. Um, yeah. Listen, I I think um. I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, he, he's been basically good every every year of his career. And, uh, you know, this is basically the the one bad one. Um, and, you know, there's, I think, a lot of reasons to think that, you know, there was some naggy problems there, um, you know, from just a lot of reports out of there that it just was not maybe the most functional of work environments, Um you Know and and you know the the, the going to the quarterback change and all that stuff. I, you know, he's done he's proven so much that he can overcome so many things. That the fact that he disappoints one year, like he just picked the wrong year to do it. If we're being totally honest, like you know, uh, the fact that Christian Kirk's making more money than him seems crazy, totally ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, just, just chalk one up to I mean, this is why good teams stay good, right? I mean, and this is why bad time bad teams stay bad because you know, you're paying. Off of what happened last year, and you're paying Christian Kirk, you know, twenty percent, thirty percent more than you're paying out on Robinson, you know, and that's just, I think those are just easy mistakes to, you know, those are mistakes that are just kind of you can't make, yeah. uh, in my opinion. So and that's true from a dynasty perspective too, you know. So I, I, I think his value should probably go up. Um, you know, we had been like the in the 40s or so, in some of the and some of the median draft position that we've been tracking, um, that seems like it should go up. Um, yeah. You know, and this I'll be really interested too because you got basically Robert Woods coming back as well with a huge, with really a huge cap number, and it makes you wonder. Right, they can't really do. Uh, they can't really do much right now, but it makes you wonder if they think about moving on from him. You know, doing a post June. One thing once he's healthy with him, you know, that would be something that would save maybe $10 million. I don't know. It just seems, um, they seem to have an endless bank of, of stuff, right? And, and with, a, with the Stafford extension looming, uh, here, pro, you know, within the coming months, um, I would expect that to happen as well. So uh, I'm excited. And, you know, listen, I think he can fit fine on the opposite side of Cooper Cup. Um, you know, and they've been sort of searching for that other guy ever since when Woods got hurt. I think Alan Robinson there is fine, and then we'll sort of see what happens with the Robert Woods angle of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think he's. I mean, that's a, a really tough to guard one too. Yeah.
0: Between Cup and Alan Robinson, will definitely be fun to watch. Two mm-hmm. physical guys that can still give you a little bit of juice after the catch too. Um, he definitely moves up for me in the short term, and I, I agree. I think. Benefit of the doubt is a great way to put it. Like uh, Mm -hmm. We've seen what Allen Robinson's done with poor quarterback play all the way back to Penn State with Christian Hackenberg. Like I I will give him the one year last year, and frankly what seemed like a pretty bad situation all around that had come to a head finally, and uh, hope that that change of scenery gets him back to what we've seen in the past from him. I think he could still be a productive option both for NFL terms and for fantasy teams as well. Uh, we mentioned Christian Kirk he gets a crazy deal from the Jaguars that I like Kirk as a player but I, there's no justification for the deal I, mm-hmm. I can't I can't see mm-hmm. it. I, there was a weird thing especially on Twitter where at first it was like four years 84 million dollars or whatever it was and then the next day it was like, well no the guarantees were only 37 and a half million dollars but it's all in the first two years I'm like, but that doesn't make it better like you're still <laughs> paying Christian Kirk almost 19 million per year over the first two years and that's too much money in my eyes for a guy that has never had a 1000 yard season. I think he's a fine player, but I think what you said holds true like the money disparity, like the juxtaposition should be bigger between Allen Robinson and Christian Kirk and it should be in favor of Allen Robinson like he should be the receiver making far more money.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I think I think this is a good dynasty lesson too, right? You ca- you have to be really really careful of of being beholden to what just happened. Right. And um, you know, we, we do this all the time, right. We just, we look at what the last thing that happened for quarterbacks is, for example, and we just say, Hey, oh, this quarterback finished, you know, whatever quarterback, you know, 10 or eight or three. And then we sort of, we just look at that as the the baseline, but when reality, Hey, that he exists within a certain range of outcomes. And this sort of is at the, either the high end or the low end, or, know and and we sort of have to avoid making decisions like this right and and this is you know if you're willing to fade what just happened and embrace some risk there there's a huge amount upside right and i think a lot of these situations um are really um you know and i like the same thing with the watson thing right we can sort of learn lessons from all these things which is like hey we don't have to rush into things or or you know, we don't, don't just judge what just happened. Sort of look at the p- person's broad resume and he's 28, right? Alan Robinson's 28. It's not like he's, yeah, he's on probably the back half of his career, but he's not old, right? He's not, he's not, he's probably not washed at that age. Yeah. Right. And then when you sort of look at him, for example, he's like a, um, you know, I track some stuff, you know, he ranks uh, uh top uh, top 17, Uh, percent in terms of yards per route run throughout his career he's been targeted on 22.4 percent of his routes that he's run in his career that's a top 10 percent number you know so when you start looking at that stuff um you know points per route run for example he's top 20 percent and that's all with crummy quarterback play you know i mean it's just a really really high floor and all right so he this kind of a down year last year i mean i think he kind of appreciate what he is. Um, and you can learn a lot of lessons from these things, right? That's the fun. That's uh, one of the things that the lessons that I've learned from dynasty more and more is, you know, use the examples that teams give you, whether that's, um, you know, I use a ton of basketball stuff um but but whether that's what nfl teams are doing and learn from maybe some of the mistakes or the good decisions that they make um, or you know in in basketball in particular a lot of the shapes and a lot of the you know the differences that that individual players can make look a lot like they do in basketball relative to dynasty um just because of the size of the rosters and all that Um, the player pool size very similar and stuff like that so a lot of the decisions that you see there make like they can be great examples of what to do in dynasty so i do think like looking at these and seeing some of the biases that come out of some of these decisions and apply and, and using them as a mirror for you is a great way to think about it. And I think the Alan Robinson Christian Kirk juxtaposition is the perfect
0: one to look at. Yeah, that's a great point. I totally agree. It's a fantastic point. Let's uh, let's talk quarterback. We mentioned Watson. That's kind of what's hanging over the whole NFL. And now there's like multiple layers that go into it. It was talked about or talked about for a day where it was the whole NFC South was in, right. Except mm-hmm. Tampa, and oh, uh, Cleveland, so it was New Orleans, Carolina, Cleveland, Atlanta. Um, Cleveland's since been told they are out. Uh, Baker Mayfield broke up with them on on Twitter in the Notes app and uh, has since requested a trade. And Cleveland, as of right now, is saying no dice. <laughs> but it's interesting how it's all kind of... I don't really know how else Cleveland expected that to go uh, with mm-hmm. a guy who's just been... An, isn't meant as a slight towards him but a guy who's just been highly emotional since mm-hmm. college like it's fine it's what makes him fun too um, but I don't really know how they saw that going it seems like right now I don't know it seems like it could be Atlanta but then you refresh Twitter and it seems like it could be New Orleans so mm-hmm. I guess wherever he goes right like how big do you think the ripple effect gets like he's not going to go to Cleveland but it seems like Cleveland will still have to deal Baker like, I don't buy that they're just going to hold on to Baker. So if, if Deshaun Watson picks Atlanta and Atlanta trades for him and they have to try and figure out how to trade that, you know, $44 million dead cap contract from uh, from Matt Ryan, it's just interesting because, like, who ends up in Indy? Who ends up in Cleveland? Who ends up in Seattle? Because it feels like Watson's going to pick his team and then three more moves are going to come, like, almost immediately after because you have to figure they're all coming up with plan B, C, and D, right?
1: Right, right. And I actually have a over at my website, I have a tracker that just tracks like, hey, expected 2022 starter. And it's gotten significantly more complicated. Than the last, <laughs> like, let's call it 24 hours. And I bet. It's just like, all right, like, all right, now I got to, you know, I had. I actually upgraded uh, Cleveland at a period. Uh, I had him, I had it as likely Baker Mayfield. I don't know what to put now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's, it's one of the things like, it's funny because right. You compare the, the Adam situation, right. You compare the Rogers situation, you compare the Mayfield situation where at, at varying points in the past year um, you know, as recently as three hours ago and as, as far along uh, as, as far back as a year ago, right. All those players were like, I'm gone. Right. I, I, I'm out of here. Like this is kind of it, you know. And uh, uh, and you know, Adams gets traded. Right? Mayfield wants a trade, and Rogers then signs. You know, three years, basically 150 million. <laughs> and so you're like, all right. Well, what do you what do you sort of learn from those lessons? Like, I don't know. You know, uh, don't bet on anything right? <laughs> because it seemed like the most likely thing was that <laughs> Rogers was going to be gone. Of all of those yeah. things, a year ago it was that Rogers would be gone. So you know, it's it's really uh, it's all up in the air. Um, I I think any of these guys, if you could take a depressed shot, you know, and I, I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield believer. I was a big believer coming in. Um, I've learned a lot from that experience, which was never be too confident on any quarterback. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to miss. Sure. Um, you know, even if you think like you got it, it's still, you know, a 60, 40 shot at best. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, even the good ones are that, um, you know, that they become, you know, you know, long-term starter or something like that. So depending on how you measure it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would look to maybe buy Baker. Um, you know, he strikes me as the type of guy that, you know, if he maybe stops recording commercials and Hey, maybe if he moves out of Cleveland, he won't, they won't have those commercials anymore because they'll have a different house, right. Maybe that'll be something that they can do. Um, you know, and he'll become come back kind of, uh, you know, upset Baker Mayfield to put it, to put it mildly um yeah i think that's the good baker mayfield right the aggrieved yeah offended baker mayfield is the good baker mayfield and maybe this will sort of light a fire almost the way that the jordan love pick did for rogers by a lot of accounts so um yeah i i'm interested in him as a rehab project you know if if someone lands in atlanta i don't i don't really love it because there's not a lot to go around in terms of um, you know supporting cast right it's pits and then know Olamide Zaccheaus apparently is yeah. the incumbent wide receiver one right now I mean it's not a great situation but you know, I do like Matt Ryan if he landed in you know I think there's a chance he could land in, in with Indy for example he could land with Cleveland in this like we'll sort of see how this all this whole thing boils out um, you know I, I, I do think though buying distressed assets but you have to make sure that they're actually distressed in costs and not just distressed in... and <laughs> yeah you don't want to be paying 120 percent for for a distressed asset you need to be paying 70 or 80% for that um, but I do think that's a you know especially if it adds a quarterback right in superflex, it can be yeah. really tough to make a trade for a higher quarterback if you don't have a quarterback Hey, if an easy way to get a quarterback is to buy a distressed guy like Mayfield and try and you know rehab him over the next six months to a year you know and kind of play a long game sort of view him as an asset like that I think that's a pretty effective way to go about it so I'd be I'd be poking around on him for sure yeah that's second around rookie pick valuation right I mean yeah, I think, I think you do that because I think uh, so, too.
0: Yeah. Just based on what just based on what the sheer cost to acquire any quarterback is in Superflex the majority of the time. Right. 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 Uh, I, right. Especially this year. Like, yeah, if I could trade a second round rookie pick for Baker Mayfield, absolutely. Because right. it's an uninspiring group of quarterbacks in my eyes anyway.
1: Right. So, Even if you have to add a non-core asset to it, right? Like, I mean, sure. if you if you you can add, and that would be the thing that you know that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned in terms of how to make these trades is like I'm much more into buying distressed assets. Like Deshaun Watson was a good example of this, right? Mm-hmm. I think his ceiling was a lot higher, but like I would pay, I would was willing to pay more than really anyone. If there was a buyer in the league for Deshaun Watson, I was the highest payer, right? right. Because I was willing to because You know, maybe this isn't true about Baker, but it definitely has been true about other guys, right? Zeke, when his suspension stuff was going on, heck, Brady, when his suspension stuff was going on, Tyreek Hill, right, when his investigation stuff was going on, Deshaun Watson. These are all difference-making players, right? And if you can buy them at discounts um, and embrace risk, uh, that's a, a really lucrative way to do it. And especially if you understand the risk that you're taking. You know, I basically gave last year the equivalent of like Mac Jones for Deshaun Watson. I mean, if I, if I lost, if, if, if Deshaun Watson never played football again and I lost Mac Jones, like it wouldn't have felt great, but it probably wasn't going to end. He could recover. Yeah. Right. If I, um, if I succeed from there, right. If I, if I can use what is essentially Mac Jones for Deshaun Watson, and that works out on my end, that's the stuff that you can win multiple championships from doing, you know? So I think, uh, Mayfield probably doesn't have that in his range of outcomes, but at a, for a lower extent, right? If it's the second round rookie pick plus some other fringe non-core asset that someone else might like. And you want to put that together for a deal. Like uh, that's because at some point, you know, then that's an asset you can trade to the next time someone has a distressed quarterback. Right. You sort of have to think that cause it's, that's, that happens every year. Right. That's yeah. just gonna, you know, it was Rogers before that it was, it was Watson last year. I mean, it happens yearly where those things happen. Stockpiling the asset at quarterback is something I think, you're planning ahead, you're playing the long game on for when that opportunity comes, like you have the ability to make that trade.
0: Yeah, it's an excellent point. I agree. And I think a lot of times in Superflex, especially like even with like continue to use Baker as an example, um people are so enamored, I guess is the right word, with the real elite top end guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Kyler, whoever you really like at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, Mahomes, obviously, Josh Allen, those kind of guys that this group of useful, like valuable players in Superflex kind of gets left for dead, like the Baker Mayfields, like Derek Carr for the past couple of years, like we talked about earlier, Kirk Cousins, like some of these guys that maybe you don't feel like, you know, you came away with two top 12 guys at Superflex, but you can win with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield in, in your super flex spot. like It doesn't have to be. And I think that's kind of the misconception sometimes with Superflex now. It's like, uh, if you don't have two top 12 to, or top 14 guys, you're hosed. But it's like, uh, these guys, especially if uh, I'm all in right now, I'm going to go fire off some Baker Mayfield offers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go see if I can throw some second round picks around for Baker Mayfield, because I think that's the perfect deal to try and make right now.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess it's the question of your ambition. Right. And I, I always think about this as like, Hey, what's, you know, people ask me, Hey, you know, if it's, maybe it's a subscriber in our group chat or if it's someone on Twitter or, you know, if it's just, just anyone, Hey, what, what do you think of this trade? What, what are you trying to accomplish? You know what I mean? Like what, what is, right. what is your goal? Um, you know, for me, um, I don't want to have two top 12 quarterbacks. I don't have two top five quarterbacks. Um, and the reason for that is, and I dove into this in the book, um, the upside of it is so high and the floor of it is so high right the difference between having quarterback 10 and having quarterback 5 is a measurable big difference historically mm-hmm. um and it's a really good bet to make and especially when you know the the number 5 guy is a guy you know that has multiple hits on his resume it's a it's a Dak Prescott it's a Justin Herbert it's probably not Herbert this year but you know he's more expensive than that right that type of player though that's got multiple hits on their resume is, is really good compared to someone at 10 who maybe has only one hit on their resume or maybe doesn't have any, right? Justin mm-hmm. Fields, Trevor Lawrence, The gap and the expectation between that is just as big as you will find. Um, and I don't think the market perceives that, right? So I do think, you know, the idea of having two top 12 quarterbacks, right? I don't, if it's between six and, you know, depending on who it is, right? If assuming it's not, um, you know, if it, let's assume it's someone other than, uh, you know, uh, Wilson Stafford, um, or Dak Prescott, I guess, um, you know, someone other than that sort of outside of the top five through 12, right. Those guys sort of in that range, it's Fields, it's Lance, it's, um, even Burrow, for example, um, it's Lawrence, right. Some of the guys in that range, that's a really dangerous range to live. And so my pivot has always been up. Right. Mm. And so uh, while I do agree with you that like Mayfield's undervalued and Mayfield's a target, I think it matters to, like sort of what your end goal is. Sure. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example today. Someone put out on their thing and again, I wish I had thought ahead, but this is the more and more I think about these things. I want to be able to execute these things in the future, which someone came out and said, Hey, I'm trading Stafford for a quarterback and a first and like I had two good quarterbacks, but I said, listen, the asset's really good. I can, I can figure that out later. I will do this. Right. But the only quarterback I had that really made sense to do it with was golf. And he's like, golf's just not good enough. Whereas if I had taken a cheap shot on Mayfield, right. If I, if I sort of go that route, you know, if I had done that type of investment a year ago and I sort of have that additional asset, that's a tradable asset. I think that's something that we probably, it's difficult to measure, You know, I I do analytics at Dynasty. So I try and put numbers next to stuff. It's really difficult to measure the impact of that, but Mm. it's I think super consequential as as we sort of play more. You know what I mean? It's it's tough to really put like a number on it or even put it in a formula of like, hey, how impactful is having this player? But just sort of anecdotally, we kind of know that like having that extra asset it can be really helpful and help you you know, attack a position that you might not otherwise have access to without the quarterback. So I think like viewing Mayfield in that sense makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it's a terrific point. Um, Let's kind of throw running back tight end all together real quick before we wrap up. I know you've got another show you got to do, so I want to keep you all night. Um, But not a ton of real notable movement. You know, Arizona re-signs James Conner. It's probably best case scenario for James Conner's immediate fantasy value. Chase Edmonds signs with Miami. Um, I've never really been the biggest Chase Edmonds guy. So I like Mike McDaniel. I like the scheme, but I'm I'm probably still team James Conner over Chase Edmonds like I was last year (laughs) as well. Um, But some of like the... That's running back, man. They're all hoping for this contract that they're probably not going to get, but Cordero Mm -hmm. Patterson's out there. Mm -hmm. Fournette's out there. feels like he'll eventually end up back in Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. Melvin Gordon, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, all these guys... Is there anybody, I guess, we'll just split it up into two parts. Is there anybody at running back, like can a domino fall that really kind of piques your interest? Can one of these guys land in a place that really kind of makes you do an about-face and change what you thought about their value maybe a year ago or even recently, just in the last few months? And at tight end, has anything really happened move-wise that's moved the needle for you? Or is it still just kind of that wasteland of hope you have one of the top guys. And if not, doesn't really matter if it's tight end six through 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Um, I, I think Zach
1: Gertz is really interesting. Um, yeah. I think he rehabbed his, his entire valuation in Arizona, um, you know, and especially in a, in a premium format. Um, well, I think he's, Again, the difference between you know six and fifty right yeah isn't that like, it's surprisingly not that big uh, you know it's probably six and twenty twenty five right you know, but but um, you know the difference in there isn't that big, but you look at you know profiles that make a lot of sense it's listen, it's guys that have done it um guys that are starters right if you have done it, you're you know, I don't know if Earth is a hall I don't think he's a Hall of famer, but like you sort of start to get like approaching that level, and once you have a job and, and those guys that have done it for a w- long time and that they're really good, they still have a job like tight ends, a really good position where they age gracefully and usefully. And fantasy. Sure. So Ertz makes a lot of sense. Um, Gronkowski, depending on his status, I'm, I'm interested in, um, you know, I think the news this week actually helped David Joku and the fact that they're going to cut Austin Hooper. Um, yeah. yeah, I know vacated targets isn't really a thing, but vacated snaps is right? vacated ability to get on the field definitely is. Right. Sure. And part of that probably is the fact that they have an, an added confidence in Joku. So that's interesting. I, lo- I love the OJ Howard signing by the Bills. I think that's a, you know, from you have to, again, it's the scope of your ambitions, tight end three, tight end four on your team. Um, you know, when you look at, when you look at OJ Howard, he's been on a route run basis. He's been like top 15%, um, historically in terms of points scored per route run, he hasn't played that much and right? he's got hurt. Right? It hasn't been perfect. But when you sort of try and project forward, like, Hey, like what could have, what could like a surprise breakout look like? You kind of want to bet the guy that has been efficient and maybe he gets more opportunity. So I think that one's an interesting one. Again, I'm not saying he's a top 20 guy, but as an investment in the, in the later twenties, it's interesting. Um, At running back. I mean, I I sort of look at these and I was a fan of Patterson. Um, Patterson was, I think my second ever dynasty rookie pick Uh, might've been my first one. I'd have to go back and look, but I know I took him, I had two early rookie picks, and I know he was one of them, and I might have been the first or the second. Um, so I w- I'm going to qu- qualify his uh, his career as a success, just because you know I was in all the way from the beginning. And it, listen, it took ten years, but, hey, but we got, got we there. finally got to write. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm interested in sort of where that where he lands. And one thing that that I just was thinking about is you were sort of asking me this. I always thought him ending up in Atlanta. Like, that's the situation that, you know, that, that they've been um, really the first time he's ever been optimized. Mm-hmm. right? It's really been the first time that the Cordero Patterson that was like the Swiss Army knife of a player coming out of college has really ever been optimized by an NFL coach. And a lot of guys have tried, right? including yeah. really good ones. Um, so I've always thought him going back there made a lot of sense. But I wonder if... You know, I think that there's risk in this, but I wonder if a team like the Bills, who has shown an interest in going out and, and getting a pass catching running back, if maybe they look at him and say, hey, listen, like this is, a, this is an option for some multiplicity in the, at the position that we haven't had, right? And if the market's not super hot on him, you know, and if it waits a couple of weeks, maybe we can get him at a number that's closer to the McKissick number than we would have thought, you know, in February, Right. That's something that I I or if he goes back and listen if if Deshaun Watson lands in Atlanta and he's back in Atlanta I mean he's might be their second best weapon you know yeah so I think there's but there's still opportunities for him I think wherever Fournette lands I've been high on these guys so I'm, I might be. Rejecting
0: your promise a little bit—it's not really my intention. um Oh no, I, and let me be clear—I lo- I like Fournette. Like I yeah. love Fournette. Fournette's been a buy for me all off season. Yes. So and
1: I've loved him the whole. Like I've never given up on him. And yeah. I think what's interesting is like we could go back and um I think he's a good lesson to learn from this, like sure. in, in Dynasty. Because listen, you you have a guy who's done it, and again, you you look at shooting at broad targets, right? Like he. How has he done this recently? Well, he's actually caught a ton of passes. A ton. And and you sort of look at that. And I I like like to look at player patterns and sort of say, hey, you know, how do we sort of optimize these things? You look at players who, hey, he was really good from a rushing centric early. We had questions about his passing game. And then listen, we got answers to his passing game, but the rushing hadn't really come along. And then now he finally puts it together and he's a top five running back. Like that's a yeah. really interesting situation, you know. You look at other situations like that. Um, Josh Jacobs sort of rings of that, right? Yeah. Which is like, hey, he had I, I was really high in the league. I think he was maybe first in rushing touchdowns a couple of years ago. Um, you know, way up at the top in terms of the rushing centric, but but really the passing game had lagged behind. And last year, he was in the top five in receptions. But the rushing stuff lagged behind, and so you 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 look at situations like that. Like I think that Leonard Fournette paradigm is 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 a pattern that I search out and seek because it's an explosive right. If it never comes together, it's still a decent floor, and right? it's still a decent. Yeah. It's a usable commodity. He's a usable commodity, and the you know the if he's healthy, he's a fringe running back one, running back two. But if it all comes together, it's a it's a hammer that you're just smashing things with, and I think that he's one. That right now is is like that again. Anytime he gets that opportunity, um, listen. If Cordero Patterson got the opportunity, again, like he's one that could be that. And you you start looking at other patterns. Josh Jacobs is one. You know, you start looking at those and say, all right, if everything were to come together, we have we have all these separate answers to these questions. Mm-hmm. If it were all to come together in one in one shot, it could be high impact. Um, I think that both of those guys are really interesting.
0: Yeah, I, the thing I've loved about Fournette, like through last season is that if he's healthy and when it's when it's clicking top 5 running back is in the range of outcomes like yes. absolutely in the range of outcomes 100% Except even like down the stretch even when he was performing at that level last year you've had to pay like low end rb2 prices most of the mm-hmm. time like people hate Leonard Fournette and I don't know why um, I think it's because they think he's 32 or something like that like you think <laughs> naturally just kind of looks older it gives off like he's been around for a while gives off the vibe that he's much much older than he is but i think leonard fournette's got uh, a lot of good football left and cordero patterson if he lands with the bills on that jd mckissick deal or something like that that would be such a fantastic i would love to see that oh i'd love one. it It'd yeah. be
1: it'd be amazing. Like it would be, be still it'd, awesome. <laughs> uh, it'd be a reunite. It would be like my fa- one of my favorite guys ever reunited with my favorite team. I'd be like, I don't know what I would do. It would be super exciting. But um, but it's funny with the Fournette thing. Like you you were talking about. Like you couldn't get him. Like his va- his quote value or his like where he was going startup picks or where he was going to trade. Like it never it, it doesn't match his production. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And so you have to, it's, it's a fascinating sort of thing. And, and as I've sort of played more, I've always wondered like, yeah, you sort of want to have people that are attractive to other, uh, other people because you want to make a trade, but Fournette's one of those people, like, I don't care what other people think about because like, I've already gotten a discount on yeah. him and I'm going to just, ha- I'm going to bludgeon people with him. And yeah. there's a lot of these guys and it's interesting, like we talked about, and if we could sort of weave a pattern it's, it's Allen Robinson's kind of the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. if you sort of look at, um, you know, what the fallout from the, the Watson deal might be. And as we were talking, it, it, um, there was reports that, uh, that Carolina's out. So it's down to Atlanta and, uh, I believe that was from Schefter. It's down to Atlanta and, uh, and the saints, right. You start looking at it and like, what's the impact of a guy like, uh, Michael Thomas, right. For example, or, you know, and their values might never rebound, but their production profiles, are probably going to outproduce their costs. Kamara, right? Well, what would he do for Kamara? Yeah. You know, you sort of look at these things and it's really interesting. Um, you know, you be, it become, what type of game are you playing? Are you trying to be, are you trying to play the value game and, and make successful trades or you're trying to win? Because right. a lot of these guys like Fournette, you know, they'll get tarnished, but they'll out, they're just going to outproduce
0: their costs and you have to sort of, you, if you're okay with that, it can be very, very valuable. Without a doubt. Jordan, I appreciate it. You can follow Jordan on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. Check out the website, analyticsofdynasty.com. I appreciate you taking some time. This was a fantastic conversation, and um, we'll have to do it again for sure.
1: I don't think we got to anything near on the on the show sheet, but I had an opportunity. Show sheets get thrown <laughs> to the wind with
0: regularity on this podcast. It's a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Jordan for taking the time to join me on this week's episode of the podcast. Again, if you missed it at the beginning, you can follow him on Twitter at McNamara dynasty. Check out the website analyticsofdynasty.com. A ton of great information there. Uh, really appreciate Jordan taking some time to break down everything that's been going on in free agency. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the show. I appreciate all of the support as always. Uh, if you have any questions that you need answered, whether in terms of trades, um, uh, or just off-season questions, the DMs are always open on Twitter. If you have topics you want to hear talked about on the show or trade questions you need answered on the show, you can always DM me on Twitter, at Dynasty Drive. More than happy to get to any of that stuff that I can. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.